Captain's Hog, Master Date, Eight Dot Strokes. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Duris Brother Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Carl's Jr., our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes and movies, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go into Into the the Star Star Trek's Nexus. Soy Trek the Podcast is here. One half vegan, one half queer. A hundred percent communist. Unless we have a less leftist guest. With Patrick and Britain. Talking, joking, farting, and shitting. All about Star Trek. Like our bubbles, the show is wrecked. Soy Trek the Podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Open your ears now. Yeah. Open your ears. Okay. What was it? It's, uh, Lube up your ears? No, no. It's, it's right in your ear. Listen to oh, Soy Trek right in your ears. Right in your ears. Yes, directly into your ears. Oh, gotcha. It's the only way you can listen to it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're like deaf, you could like listen to the vibrations, but mm. yeah. Yeah. Just, or do it like, uh, like, uh, you know, sit on the speaker, like, uh, well, you know, in a, like how deaf girls Howard, masturbate. Howard, Howard Stern did that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, as you may have noticed, we have ads now. Uh, don't want ads? Well, Soyagers, for as little as $2 a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. And not only get ad-free episodes, but you get all of our episodes the moment I get done making them. And you get them in high-quality stereo MP3 instead of that shitty mono trash. So it's just like you're in the room with us, telling you you're a piece of shit, Trekkie. <laughs> what are you going to do about it, little Trekkie punk? Uh-oh, we're doing Zip. fetish content now. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oopsie-daisy. Uh, uh, so, and, you know, you don't have to, uh, at that point, wait for everything to trickle out over the week. Also, if you pay us uh, $5 or more, we mention your name right now mm. to people just like Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Joanna Hearn, Jordan Hale, Nick Savard, Shane Sawyer, and David Croning Seats. Thanks so much to those people. All of them are awesome and deserve a nice little forehead kiss. So if yeah. you're listening to this and in any position to give them all a nice little consensual, very important, mm-hmm. forehead kiss, do that. Yeah. Once again, that's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. That's dumb idiot with a letters BS, which stands for bullshit, but also stands for Barnaby Salacious. Barnaby Jones. Yeah, I don't know what any of that means. Uh, <laughs> none of that's a coincidence, though. <laughs> um, yeah, so well, Barnaby is like a name that is really like left the left. Uh, it's not used anymore. Like, yeah, it's, it's a na- like I don't know. I think if you have a child, I think you are you should call it Barnaby. <laughs> right. I mean, you want to make that child completely unfuckable, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's like no one wants to say that name while having sex, no matter how hot the person is. You can't be like, oh, yeah, Barnaby, fill it up. <laughs> like, what? No. Like, the only thing you ask Barnaby to do is, like, to fill up is, like, a fucking barn full of hay. Yeah. Like, he's got barn in his name. Mm-hmm. He's a dumb guy who works in a barn. Mm-hmm. He can't have sex. That's taking advantage of him. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's simple, all right? Yeah. He's a simple guy. 
Yeah, he's... Don't take advantage of the simple farmhand. No, right? no, no. Yeah, you, he looks like he's a good fuck, but he's <laughs> just going to bust in two seconds because he doesn't even know how to masturbate, all right? Like, he hasn't figured that shit out yet, and he's he's made his way into adulthood. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels funny when I touch it. Like, that's what Barnaby says. Don't oh, fuck Barnaby. Barnaby. I'm sorry. Like, it's... You don't... Don't fuck... Unless you're really simple, too... It's not okay to fuck the simple guy. But Barnaby was the name of um, um, the um, uh, Jed Clampett, who later on he made a sh- had a show where he was played a Barnaby. He was a, a private detective or something, I think. Oh, well, okay. well, he played a Barnaby. That wasn't yeah. his actual name. <laughs> no, no, no. Because he was he was the guy who was the original. Um, it was Jed. Jed was an old guy, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, was- yeah, yeah. Um, so he was the original Tin Man mm. on uh, Wizard of Oz, but he had to leave. Because the uh, aluminum paint that they were using, like, got, like, clogged up his pores mm. and, like, gave him a ster- terrible skin condition that he suffered from his entire rest of his life or something. Or no, it was, it was that or, like, something with the asbestos snow that he inhaled and, like, Ugh. so he had lung issues the rest of his life. It was something crazy to where, like, just being the Tin Man, like, compromised, like, gave him a pre-existing condition for the rest <laughs> of his life, which is, like... That fucking sucks, right? Yeah, it's just like uh, the movie that killed John Wayne, The Conqueror Gave Life. Oh, uh, and it was his worst movie. Yeah, ninety. I think ninety people died. That I mean, were associated with did, it because it was part like of, filmed well, in a um, um, nuclear testing site. You know, they say it was cancer. I I kind of believe it's shame that they all died. <laughs> <laughs> they like saw the movie and they're like, "Well, I can't live that much longer now." They got cancer from the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like not 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 the radiation. No, the no, not site. not making the movie, <laughs> watching the movie because the movie was so cringe. <laughs> yes, it was. If you haven't seen it, it's fucking funny. Yeah, uh, John Wayne plays Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, but he he keeps on saying his name, and I forget what Genghis Khan's initial name was. Uh. It's it's but it's like very Asian sounding, and he insists on saying it like in every scene in yeah. the movie, and he, he does it in like the John Wayne delivery. So he's like, "I will conquer the West Sea <laughs> because I am Kimo Hefei," and I'm like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Like I've I've fallen asleep watching it a few times, and every time it's like laughably bad but boring at the same time. Yeah. It's it's hard to make a movie that incompetently. And the thing is like two and a half or three hours long. It's like an epic and it fucking sucks. <laughs> you know what else is epic and fucking sex? Oh, what? I don't know, but we are uh, reviewing Star Trek Generations today. <laughs> oh, boy. We watch, we watch. Star Trek Generations. Uh, this is uh, was released on November 18th, 1994. It's the seventh of 13 Star Trek films. The uh, screenplay was done by Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga, both of TNG fame, mm-hmm. uh, and later DS9 fame. Uh, and story by Rick Berman of sexual harassment fame, <laughs> as well as Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga who wrote the script, which tells me Rick Berman bullied his way into a credit here. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, this one's directed by a fellow named David Carson. Mm-hmm. 
um, who before this hadn't really directed any films except for some like TV films. Yeah, he directed a couple episodes, right? Yeah, he directed a couple episodes, including some good episodes, most notably Yesterday's Enterprise, mm, which is arguably yeah, one of the, I'd say it's like the, uh, the stride, besides Best of Both Worlds, the stride episode of Star Trek, where mm. it's like, oh, they know what they're doing. Mm. They know their characters. This mm. is going to be a good series from here on out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so obviously a very competent director, especially with this this cast and crew, because, mm-hmm. you know, like all Star Trek films, there's a lot of bleed over, you know, Star Trek six, which had only come out, um, what, like a couple, three years before this, 91 or 92 mm, or something so, like yeah. that. Um, so, uh, you know, it shared a lot of the TNG sets and stuff like that, and they redressed a lot of sets in order to make things work. Mm-hmm. And uh, this happened basically, like, directly after the end of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a, the send-off film mm-hmm. um, for that crew, although, you know, they did three other films after that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they reuse some stuff. There's there's some new stuff there. We'll talk about that more in uh, our our... Uh, the subspace transmissions episode that we're going to do for this because there's mm. so much fucking information on it. Um, so the music on this one was done by Dennis McCarthy, who you mm. might know is the guy who did uh, the theme songs for uh, Voyager and DS9. Mm. Um, you know, he did like basically all the music for TNG. Mm. Uh, I think he's credited uh, after the first couple seasons because he does the the redo of Jerry Goldsmith's theme which was also originally on uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's actually credited with the themes for, like, all the 90s series, mm-hmm. which is, you know, good for him. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't write, uh, you know, Faith of the Heart, which would have well, been pretty cool. Would have been pretty cool. That would have been. He didn't. <laughs> um, so uh, do you want to just jump right into the film? Go right into it. So, uh, in our, our uh, if you've listened to our previous film reviews for Star Trek, we uh, usually talk about production a little bit before. But I'm going to be honest; there was such, so much more information on this that I think we just need to make an entire separate episode. So, if you're interested in just listening to things about the production of this film and like why it is so uniquely Star Trek Generations, um, yeah. Probably yeah. go listen to that episode. It'll be up in a few days if you're listening to this right off the line. So we start in the 23rd century. So this is still, uh, you know, the timeline of, of uh, Kirk. You know, this is basically where this is the next moment we see of Kirk and the Enterprise crew after mm-hmm. uh, the end of Star Trek VI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh yeah, like what? Yeah, what year specifically was it? Star Trek Six. No, uh, this movie. Uh, well, oh, uh, the so the, of yeah, so the beginning of this takes place in twenty two ninety three. So this is some uh, I don't know, like fifteen twenty years after the events of um, Star Trek. 6. Star Trek Six. I want to wow. say something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's been a while, and I mean, it, it shows. Like everyone here's old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, even though it's like it, it's like supposed to take place, like I mean, even though chronologically this movie was only made like two years after Star Trek Six, like yeah. it's supposed to take place quite a mm-hmm. quite a bit of time later. So uh, in 2293, we are at the launch of the USS Enterprise B. So floating in space, a bottle of Dom Perignon, vintage 2263, cracks against the hull of a new Excelsior class USS Enterprise B. At the Starship's christening ceremony, 
in what is an obviously CGI, but kind of well-executed opening shot. I actually, I you know, I thought, like, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I saw this in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you were a kid, it was amazing CGI. Because yeah. this was in, the like, the mid-90s, and, like, mm-hmm. you can see the stars reflect off the bottle yes. of Dom Perignon, and that looks realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, you're, yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah, even so, like, rewatching it now, mm-hmm. yeah, it still looks good. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I will admit, like, yeah, when I saw this movie in theaters, I fucking loved it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, so, I don't think I saw this movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I was, like, I'm, yeah, my like, dad six a, years my old. My big Trekkie, so. Yeah, mine too, but, yeah. like, I don't think he took me to this one. He might have, I just mm. didn't care about it when I was six. Yeah. I know when the next <laughs> one came out, when I was, like, eight, I was into it yeah, like yeah. i saw first contact in the theaters twice i think yeah, yeah. i fucking loved that film mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's good i mean yeah. it's still good yeah um so anyway so <clears throat> on the dry dock facility various uh gathered civilians and starfleet personnel applaud the christening on the enterprise b bridge three guests of honor of the crew of the original uss enterprise captain james t kirk and montgomery scott and Commander Pavel Chekhov. No, the, tr- the, the the normal trilogy. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, you've got uh, you got Kirk, and obviously Chekhov. Yeah. Uh, the guy who doesn't even have a rank really. He's just kind of a helmsman guy. Yeah. Like they never even gave him a position. Is the thing. Some people, and I've he- I've heard like different people be like, oh, he's like weapons and ops. But it's kind of pre-ops, so he does do weapons at points. He is and he's definitely helmsman at points. <laughs> but so, <laughs> wow. I, you know, no, Chekhov is not trans. <laughs> Chekhov is not an egg. I can, I can make a case for several people yeah. in the, on the original Enterprise for being trans. I don't think Chekhov is no. trans. No, no. no. He, would, he would make a cute little lady, though. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but it is sad, yeah, because like this, I think this very illustrates, mm-hmm. like, how little stuff they were given in previous films and also in the TOS series mm-hmm. where it's like, like them, you know, obviously like, you know, we're going to talk about like, they're obviously shoehorned. Oh, Last very much there. So. They took, oh, like you get like knowing, knowing, knowing like, you know, that, you know, they weren't supposed to be in these roles. They were the well, only ones that we could get, get, get really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, uh, that the dialogue was originally written for. Oh, it's you know? obvious. There's yeah. several lines, especially like it's, mm-hmm. it's very obvious that, uh, Scotty was literally just given Spock lines. Yes. And they're like, wait, wait, how do the, how do we make these seem sound like slightly less dickish and Vulcan? He's ice uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just gonna, he He's just, like, hey, that's not very logical now, is it? And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> this he, he's just able to, he's able to, I live, think we all should live long and maybe prosper now. But it just like, shows what? like how like the, like line delivery, like mm-hmm. is, it does come a lot down to like the actor because like mm-hmm. James Doohan is able to um, deliver Spock lines and just sound very, just like Scottish. Yeah. yeah just, I mean, like, but, just but that's, yeah. Uh, and I think that that speaks to how much they really removed and dumbed down from these roles. Yeah. Because it's obvious that they wrote them for certain things. And then, you know, when they found out who they could actually get on set, yeah, they were like, okay, how do we actually make this work? And they make it work fine. Yeah. But it's still, it feels very flat. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like there was the definitely beats we were supposed to get that just aren't there because of how who they're delivered by. 
mm-hmm. and our familiarity with those characters. Yeah, and but. yeah, Chekhov doing Bones lines is mm-hmm. it's bit, not great. It, it, it like yeah, it's like well, Chekhov sounds very like short and uh angry and, and yeah. impatient with a lot of people and See, well, why is Chekhov racist suddenly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Uh. Yeah, it's just very entertaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and definitely like, you know, we'll get to it, it's like it's definitely like not the pair you really want wanted to see for like William Shatner's supposed send off for those characters, you know, and for, for at the end of his story. Honestly, that's what I like most about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I mean, in the same way that I feel like Star Trek V is an amazing, completely unintentional postmodern critique on James T. Kirk and mm-hmm. his view and vision of masculinity and why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think Shatner accidentally stumbled into that truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in that same way, like this movie gives an amazingly shitty send off to Kirk that he absolutely <laughs> deserves. Yeah. Like this is like the send off of six was too noble for, for James T. Kirk. It was very noble. And, uh-huh. and it's just like, and I, I do to feel good. He yeah. doesn't deserve like a, a hero's like sailing away into the sunset. Oh, he probably died a happy death. I like this one. Yeah. I like this. And really also that, uh, and like when it was send offs like that, it's you're like the viewer themselves is able, like however they personally view these characters, mm-hmm. they, you know, kind of fill in the ends that they, you know, based on how they interpret like the, the series, like interpret their own ends for these characters and stuff. I think I think is the best thing to do typically. Yeah. Like like this I mean we'll get into it but like the the you know like it's very anticlimactic for. Yeah, and I mean let's be honest. I feel like Generations did exactly to Kirk what Star Trek Picard is doing to Picard. Yeah, yeah, they are. It's 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 interesting and it's like it's a bad send-off. It's just like Picard mm-hmm. is drawing it out and like I mean, everything really rests on on season three of Picard, and I if mean, season I'm... three of Picard is dog shit, it, it it is going to, it I think, kind of fundamentally change the world of Star Trek. Yeah, because and... we'll we'll have like the I'd say the most beloved, universally beloved character in Star Trek, at least culturally right now. Yeah. Besides maybe Spock, and like, I don't know, fucking Spock got a great send off though. He did. Even, even you know, in, like, yeah, in Star Trek I, Six and also beyond. In, in Beyond. Like both yeah. of them were great send offs. Star, Star Trek I Beyond, I think, is like the strongest Star Trek movie. I mean, I may I may <laughs> maybe that may be a controversial opinion. That, but that's a very <laughs> controversial opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely my favorite of like the newest three. Okay. But like that's still it's still it's that, it's that re- I, I mean it's a very competent, very Star Trek um movie. It, 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 at the same time, it is very much an action movie. As it's well. very, it's an action movie, but I think they are able to mesh like the Star Trek and mm-hmm. the action, mm-hmm. which is like you know, like I, Generations is the start of kind of the decline of Picard's character, correct? And and also like the move to more an action based mm-hmm. um, series, and and of course, like so they're working. They have to work with you know within like that sort of like confines of mm-hmm. how like start what star trek movies have become like just mm-hmm. like action films and i think like beyond really balances out and and makes the action feel earned and okay. appropriate 
That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I, I I can buy that. Yeah, and it yeah it definitely and it, it's so much it's so much better at making its own story. Yes, and not and that's the thing I think I like most about the good Star Trek films is either they expand well on a previous story like Wrath of Khan. Yeah, or they just completely build something entirely new, like you know your Star Trek Four, like. My beliefs about Star Trek Five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Star Trek uh, First Contact, where they go and build uh, Zephyr Cochran's world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like th- that's that's all cool. Um, I feel like this film doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah. <laughs> at all with anything. But like, I and it's, it's like you'll see, like, yeah, Picard is still kind of like within almost like the most like the most Picard he'll be for mm-hmm. the rest of the film. And also then like later Star Trek Picard. Right. And it's because he's I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like he's not super true to his character though. I feel no, like he isn't. He is basically in but, this film, he is Picard before the episode Inner Light, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah, because this, this, this before he goes completely off the rails, because yeah. the, the later films mm. he just becomes like, you know, this like bare armed dude holding you know. No, no. So so <laughs> I, I I think it's it's insurrection he starts wearing the um the the uh um i don't want to call it the wife beater yeah uh the you know, yeah yeah but but still he's the he's, tank top yeah the white tank even top in, even in like you know in, in first contact he's like as a, as he's like ah he's like screaming oh, yeah, like yeah, gunning yeah. people down and right 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 and and still like i don't think they give him a big gun till insurrection no <laughs> he definitely has he's definitely all about big guns and insurrection and, and nemesis and, and nemesis yeah that's and, and uh, doesn't I feel like he like swings from a rope in one of them, and I'm yeah. like, dude, you're Ins- like 65. Insurrection. Like, don't, don't, hey, ah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, OSHA to anybody <laughs> like this man. And that's and that's why, yeah, and like as you're saying, yeah, like Star Trek Picard is now like, re- like having that going to have the same end for Picard as we're seeing as we saw for Kirk in this kind of film, just like out of place, like, even oh. Yeah, out of place. And out of time. Out of time. It's just, yeah, it's like, I get that people change and stuff, but Picard changed in such a weird way that it's like, the way he should have really changed is like, I mean, the end of uh, All Good Things, the end mm-hmm. of TNG, like, uh, I think he finally, like, started having, like, real regrets about, like, pursuing his career so much that he didn't have, like, deep, meaningful relationships mm-hmm. with the people that he loved. Yes. Um. And you know, and they'll touch, and they touch on that too. Like you know, you know, and you know, in this like uh, you know, and um, and um, this beginning scene, you mm-hmm. know, Kirk is like, well, where did Sulu have time to find to start a family? Right. And and then like, and that's why I kind of like, yeah, because there is parallels because like Picard also has as these as this feeling. Right, but it's it's interesting because Picard is like shown an alternate future where he has, like, a family and stuff, and mm-hmm. it, like, changes him in this movie. Yes. But that already happened on Inner Light. Yeah. Like, literally, the exact same <laughs> yeah. thing happened on Inner Light, and I'm mm-hmm. like, huh. Uh, it's an interesting choice to, like, basically call back to, I mean, one of TNG's best episodes, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. But it's not even a callback to it. It's just, like, a similar thing that happens to him. Yeah. Where he has, like, visions of an alternate world where he, like, has fulfillment in a very different way. And you could argue, like, you know, technically the... You know, and it would and it happened in there like actually didn't happen to him. 
Right. But but there but those memories that he experienced were real. Those yeah. people were real to him. Yeah, like exactly. Had, what he, are we but like our memories? Yeah. Yeah. And he lived out this entire life with these people. Mm-hmm. So uh, like his children, his grandchildren were totally real to him. Mm-hmm. And and this is like, you know, the same thing, you know, just like, you know, his um you know, son or what Remy? Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Remy, yeah. I mean not his the, son, not the, his son, it, his nephew. It's, it's, his, it's, it's his nep- nephew, Rat. Nephew, Rat. Yeah, it's it's chef, Rat. rat yeah, his <laughs> Ratatouille. Ratatouille was like was was like you know the closest he'd get, and he mentions Wait, what. Them. What was your name again? <laughs> Let me cook with you. Yeah. Jump in my hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he has you know his little Ratatouille, and yeah, and so yeah, it's kind of like the end of the Picard line, but like, yeah. you know, or the beginning of something new. So anyway, yeah, went on a little tangent uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Kirk, Scotty, and Chekhov emerge from the turbo lift and are immediately surrounded by reporters asking the three legends of Starfleet uh, questions all at once, and they can't answer. Like, hey, hey, hey get away! So uh, their frantic questioning is also, in. Uh, also, like, make this part makes me think of like, like I wish you know we knew more about like, like just like civilian life on Earth. Right, and because um, it's like so, are they typically regarded as celebrities almost? So, so it did touch on that, if yeah. you recall, in Lower Decks, yeah. uh, in that episode with the investigative reporter. Mm-hmm. So it seems that like people do back on Earth have like a serious interest in like you know they're Starfleet captains. yeah they're Starfleet captains because I mean you know in a who would be the influencers in a post-capitalist society, you wonder, right? It's the people who are, like, actually out there doing things, moving and shaking things up. And, like, we know for certain that, like, Kirk is very well-known on Earth, like, to everybody. He's, like, a Mm. fucking celebrity. Yeah, we wouldn't have any flat-tummy influencers, Mm. flat-tummy teacher influencers. Yeah, right? Because it's, like, (laughs) yeah, because, like, you know, everyone could probably, like, basically mold their body medically and shit like that. And, like, you know, it's a post- you know, post everything society. So you have time to just do whatever the fuck you want with your life. Yeah. Uh, and so, but you know, people would obviously be into frivolous shit, like, you know, tabloids for fucking Starfleet captains and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like Picard's on a copy of teen beat. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Teen, teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, it's a uh, toxic masculinity in Starfleet. <laughs> we love teen Vogue, don't we folks? They took a hard left turn and they haven't gone back. It's pretty cool. I would, I would like, yeah. Uh, Card was like posing for like um like doing like little sassy pictures. Oh yeah, like you know just like they, they little dre- anime cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they dre- they dress him up in like different cool gear and like Ooh. he's like he's like a, he's like a hype beast. Ooh, or, or uh, <laughs> cat boy Picard. That's what I'm talking about. Or, or you would just be in his like weird like French outfit. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, that's what I'm uh, talking future, about. Future future French outfit and just like fan boy Picard. Fan boy Picard. Fan boy Picard. Fan boy Picard. So, uh, the frantic questioning is interrupted by Enterprise B's commanding officer, Captain John Harriman, played by none other than Alan Ruck. Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Alan Ruck. (laughs) Kid Ruck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did like how, how, like, uh, you could see, like, uh, Shatner just, like, looking how he was going to just, uh. Uh, commit seppuku commit oh just take over the enterprise uh, take over the command of the enterprise from oh from yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll get to that in a second so um uh he says uh to the reporters there'll be plenty of time for that later and welcomes the new arrivals to the bridge 
He then tells Kirk how he's pleased to have welcomed a group of living legends aboard and how he read about their exploits when he was in grade school. Uh, Kirk goes, oh, really? And he's like fucking incredulous. Like, yeah. like oh, you're calling me old? <laughs> yeah. Like, And he's like, the guy's like, uh, you're a fucking living legend. I respect you so much. I have known about you since I was a child. Mm-hmm. I And the guy's like, Oh, you're calling me old. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, yeah. dude, come on. Get over your ego, like, guy. Like, canonically, like, w- 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 Shatner is older than, than, uh, uh I mean, uh, uh, Kirk is older than Shatner is. Yeah, yeah. At this so. point, he's like 70 or so. Yeah, like, yeah. So he's like, he's like, like, he's yeah. a living legend at this point. Like, yeah. That is one thing, like, I, uh, like, you think, like, he, after, after all six films of the, mm-hmm. of the TOS films, all of which pretty much dealt with uh, Kirk's feeling of aging and um, being feeling obsolete and just mm-hmm. like this fear of a- of allowing himself to age gracefully. You think he would like this would have been a good time for him to just accept that mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like and just like yeah I'm yeah I'm old yeah like I've lived a full life a fucking like a a much better send off mm-hmm. for him in this movie would have been like. He's, he has one scene that's like a cameo where he's just a wise old sage giving advice mm. or it's like they find something in the records that's like per- pertinent and it's, you know, basically like him giving a rousing speech mm. that has like information that they need or something like that. Like there's so many ways they could have done a much better send off, but they needed to, they needed to murk the man and it was a terrible decision, I think, directorially, <laughs> yeah. creatively, for the character and his legacy. A fucking awful decision, mm-hmm. and that's why I love it. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Like I, I, like I know, like a lot of the, like they said they needed to put um, Kirk in this to pass the torch mm-hmm. to the new. To, to why do you need that? Yeah, why you, did you need that? Yeah, we we. Like I feel the viewer is smart enough to understand. Like okay, yeah, it was the TOS films. We saw those end. Yeah. We now and now also, is now is the age of the TNG. The the viewers are smart enough to know the next generation takes place like 90 years after all of the events of all the TOS stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's no way these people would be meeting unless it's something like with Bones where he goes to christen it on the first episode. Uh, fucking encounter at Farpoint, and he's fucking old as goddamn dirt. Yeah. He's unable to do anything but make jokes and go, treat your starship like a lady and uh, f- uh, make her fucking gush and shit, get plastic sheets. Is that the th- uh, I meant to say something. I'm make sorry. Make sure you got one in the stink, <laughs> and then you put two in the pink. <laughs> and, and that is how a warp drive works, my friend. <laughs> Aren't you a doctor? You have no practical, you have no working knowledge of the warp drive. Shut the fuck up. I'm an ambassador, boy. I'm an ambassador, boy. Now yeah. you shut the hell up, bro. I'll slap you one. For some reason, and I turned into Foghorn Lakehorn for this episode too, boy. Yeah. Um, so Chekhov then calls Kirk over and introduces him to the Enterprise's helm officer, Ensign Demora Sulu. Uh, apparently, the Sulus can't get out of the helm position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless she they're... has no, she has no other interest in in Starfleet than also being a helmsman. Yes, uh, helms person. <laughs> helms thank person. you very much. Uh, Demo- I always felt like helmsman is supposed to be gender, gender, uh, uh, not genderless in a way. Yeah, supposed to be. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. It doesn't come <laughs> off that way. No. It definitely says men in yeah. there. <laughs> it does. Um, 
Do, would, would would you go into the helmsman's restroom? Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I go into the helm. Yeah. I'm going to go, gonna go in, hit the helm. <laughs> I go, I'd go into the helmsman's bathroom and get a big old scoop of mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> With all the discharge I got, I'll be leaving a scoop of mayonnaise. You know what I'm oh, I know what you said. <laughs> You're picking up what I'm putting down. Well, actually, don't do that. No, don't no, do no, that. No, no, don't no. no. Wear gloves. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> um, so, Demora tells Kirk that her father has told some interesting stories about him. I love this line. Yeah. I love this line so much because she doesn't say anything positive at all about him. No, she doesn't. No. And I, I feel that's like honoring um george takai in it a way is. It, it is it is yeah. so honoring george takai she's like she's basically like oh i've heard about you my father fucking hates his boss <laughs> yeah i mean sue like george takai wouldn't even work with him yeah face on on six <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah surprisingly he he uh he barely agreed to do five because he hated him so yeah. much and uh, he's gone in, on record saying he was surprised he liked working with shatner again so much and they also, what most insane thing is they actually wanted him to be in that role, not his daughter. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, like I, That would be so fucking funny if he's like, yeah. if I'm it was the, the, the Helms position, yeah, if it was the original, original, <laughs> original casting for this part. And it's like, Bones is like, I'm, I'd like to introduce you to the helmsman of the Enterprise B, Hakura Sulu. And fucking Kirk's like, they demoted you too? Yeah. <laughs> it was like. Uh, I actually took this position. I uh, I was I was tired of the, tired of the Excelsior. That thing sucked, man. Yeah, and that's what George Takai had to say. He's like, like you do realize, and that shows also like you know whoever wrote this had no idea about like the actual like chron- chronology of which and is crazy story. because it was written by Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga, both of whom are like encyclopedic that's, Star Trek. And that's so weird. Then why? Because yeah, because like they wanted George Takai for that role. It, then, I like, mean, it, it was do, it was definitely written differently. Yeah. Obviously, it was, oh yeah, they had cha- they had to change it because and yeah, yeah George Takai was like, well, no, it, Sulu's not going to take a demotion to work yeah. at the helm at the. He's at fucking literally Enterprise. a fucking captain. He's like, yeah, he has a or captain. maybe an admiral at this point. Yeah, like, come exactly. On. Like, yeah, he, I, he's a captain. Last time we saw him, like ten years, twelve years. Yeah, ago. so it's like, why <laughs> put him in that position? Mm-hmm. It's so insane. Mm-hmm. So this uh, surprises Kirk that Hikaru Sulu is her father. Chekhov reminds Kirk that he's met her before, which Kirk remembers, but didn't think it'd be that long ago. Chekhov tells Kirk it was 12 years previous. Yeah, now this seems, so this seems think, legit. Yeah, because, so, well, just because, like, you know, Kirk probably doesn't give a shit about anybody. No, <laughs> no. Like, wait, you have a daughter, like, you met her. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wait, uh, gosh, I thought he was gay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, Are you they, adopted, little girl? I do think it is in Beyond, though. They do show uh, oh, yeah. Demora Sulu as a little kid with, like, Sulu and um, his yeah. husband. Yep. Yeah, which yeah, is... Yeah, they're holding, uh, they're holding little Demora yeah. Sulu. Yeah. So, but, but that's in the Kelvin universe. He's straight in this universe. Uh, he's straight, yeah. But he's he's actually gone on record saying that, like, he doesn't agree with the for, with doing that because the original Hikaru Sulu wasn't gay. Yeah, he was banging the cat girl. Hell yeah. I or, the cat, or the cat girl wanted a bed. Vacation? Yeah. Yeah, vacation. Oh, yeah. Vacation all I ever wanted. <laughs> I want to fuck a pussy, pussy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Make that shit purr. <laughs> Percy. Oh, my God. It's got barbs inside. I can't get out. It's like Velcro in there. Um, <laughs> not, never again. Never again. It's like a sandpaper trap. <laughs> 
check out for mine's uh no so um kirk shakes demora's hand and tells her it wouldn't be the enterprise without a sulu at the helm mm. which sounds condescending yeah uh she thanks kirk and Chekhov tells her that her father must be very proud of her she says she hopes so as Demura returns to the helm, uh, Chekhov marvels at her, remarking to Kirk that he was never that young. Kirk agrees, but tells Chekhov that he was younger at one time. And this is and this is also so like like be funny. You're coming from Bones. It would it would make more sense because Bones yeah. like I was never that young. Yeah, Bones is the oldest yeah. one. He's fucking old as shit. Yeah, because yeah, Bones. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he was always the oldest one on the crew. Mm-hmm. I think at the start of the series, he was supposed to be like in his mid or late 40s, and I think DeForest yeah. Kelly was actually like in his mid or late 40s yeah, yeah. when the series started. Like mm-hmm. he was old as he was actually old as fuck. Yeah, in '87 when uh, he was on fucking. Um, I mean, he was probably too old to do this role at this point. Oh, yeah. Because well, he died in the late 90s, he, right? He did want to do the role, but um, he couldn't get the union pass to do it because like, because he couldn't pass the medical test. That makes sense. And so he couldn't get clearance to be in the film. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's like, <laughs> Sir, that, that, that growth on your side, that was actually your liver. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're a, shut up and just say it, boy. <laughs> Just get me a damn handle of Jack and let me take do my damn job. Sir, this will kill you. Doesn't matter. I got nothing to live for. I'm Bones goddamn McCoy and nothing else. <laughs> what am I, else am I going to do yet? It'd be, and plus, that, I think that also been very um, bizarre. Because, like, how long had TNG been on the air by this point? Uh, it was, was 94, so 87. So this was, like, seven this was years ago. Yeah, yeah. This seven years ago. End, end yeah. of the series. Yeah, the end of the series. Uh, and... And just think about how um, uh, Bones looked on the first episode of Farpoint. Yeah, right. And that that was with old man makeup. Mm-hmm. It would have it would have messed everything up because he probably looked that looked like that. At the yeah, time. right. <laughs> <laughs> probably the time he like, looks looks older, like uh, ninety years in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, oh god, you look like shit. Yeah, they have just put like to do de aging makeup. They just put like silicone caulk in between all the creases of his skin. They just like just pull paint it, pull all the skin back and like, clip it. <laughs> <laughs> just tie, just like, like, a chip a chip bag clip <laughs> in the back of his neck. But it just it just makes him look like a skeleton. It's like a <laughs> It's like a fucking bag of lays. <laughs> Just like looks like a bone covered with skin, like bone, like a skeleton covered with skin. <laughs> then it's like, oh, this is terrifying, actually. But yeah, but that, but yeah, There's, they call him Bone McCoy now. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they call me Bones. Hey, uh, can we get the hydrator on set? He's he's tried out again, everybody. <laughs> Need to plump Wait, him up uh, a little. Cut, cut. <laughs> Just filling him full of silicone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so <sighs> Scott walks by and remarks that the new Enterprise is a damn fine ship if you ask me that was a terrible <laughs> that was like a, <laughs> a, a I don't whatever uh, Kirk tells Scott he's amazed that Sulu found time to have a family Scott says that uh, Kirk uh, Scott says that just as Kirk would say if something's important you make time which is a fun way to say he's gay and she's adopted. Yes. <laughs> uh, he then wonders if that might be what Kirk's problem is and that he might be finding retirement a little bit lonely. Mm. Of course it's lonely. He's like an old gay man now, right? And I want to I want to um I want to stress in this movie Kirk is pretty fucking gay. Like if, yeah. if even if he's not like having sex with men or anything, he's so fruity and effeminate 
he like raises his wrists and arms a lot and does like real like old lady stuff a lot. You know, we never see uh what's her name? Alopina, Alupia, uh the uh, person that was on the horse. Oh yeah. At the end. Alupia, Apolina. Apolina. Yeah, I can't remember the name, but mm-hmm. still, we never see we never see the person. No, could have been a twink on a horse. Definitely a twink <laughs> on a horse. Yeah. Definitely a horse twink. Definitely a horse twink. <laughs> this, is, this is a fucking, you know, like you know, like I mean, they could have definitely uh, just inserted all of like the the later Kirk scenes in this film in, mm-hmm. uh, and just put like Old Town Road over it. <laughs> it would have made sense as a, a fucking video and be like, yeah, this, this is by like a, a gay cowboy rap star. And be like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, right, uh huh, yeah. yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) but he's black oh no that doesn't make any sense okay that's weird now um so kirk remarks uh that he's glad scott is an engineer because with tact like that he'd make a lousy psychiatrist and there's another line that would have been better between him and spock but also it doesn't make any sense because it's already been established in the tos films that kirk is absolutely not going to therapy ever for any reason uh, he he wants his pain, folks. He, he loves his pain. His pain. Yeah. We love our pain, don't we, folks? It makes us who we are. Yeah, it makes him who he is. Yeah. Uh, and and so I'm like, why would you even be talking about a therapist? Like, this man refuses fucking therapy. But yeah, but just you, then, you tell like the original line was like, for a Vulcan, you make a lousy therapist or something, yeah, and something. that that's probably what was going to be. Yeah. And, which would have been a funny line between them, but uh, between him and Scotty, it's like a kind of a familiarity and and kind of like you know yeah or that like they didn't really establish too or much b- with bones and, or something be like uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you should uh, keep your your medicine to the f- uh, med bay in your mouth to my glory hole or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it would have made a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <clears throat> Uh, just then, Harriman steps up and tells Kirk and Scott, it's time to go if they would please take their seats. Yes. So Kirk, somewhat reluctantly, and Scott move away from the captain's chair, and Harriman starts to order the ship out of dock. But then, Harriman turns and asks Kirk to give the order to get them underway. At first, Kirk kind of is like, eh, but Harriman persists. Kirk continues to try to get out of it, but Harriman insists and with all of the reporters there, Kirk finally stands and orders to the helm, take us out. <laughs> After everyone on the bridge applauds, Chekhov says, very good, sir. And Scott remarks, brought a tear to my eye. Which is like the only line that Scotty has that actually sounds like a Scotty line. Yes, it does. Um, yeah. and I'm, So I think that that wasn't written. I think that uh, Doohan was just like, I-, I got a good one here. And he did that. Um, So in regard uh, to his choice of words, whereupon Kirk tells them both to be quiet. Then the Enterprise B leaves dry dock on its maiden voyage around Earth's solar system. Which would be pretty fun. I like to take a little space cruise. I mean, yeah, it seems weird. Yeah. I mean, like it would, I think it also would have like been fun to include some sort of like, you know, since it is sort of like a weird little, you know, going around the solar system is basically nothing for them now. I mean, yeah, but like, they can only go like impulse yeah. speed mm-hmm. in the solar system. They can't use warp drive at all. Yeah, yeah. Because they'll fuck everything up. But which... like, it would have been uh, fun if um, there was also, you know, some, you know, special dignitaries like the president of Earth. That's or, true. Or something like that. Like, but I mean, the... at the same time, I don't think Kirk's that important. 
No, well, but it's for the Enterprise, the new, inter- the new, because it's the new, because they're unveiling the new Enterprise. That's which yeah. is like the, you know, the, yeah, crown jewel. The... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're not that important. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so as the Enterprise B cruises out of dry dock and into open space, Kirk, Chekhov, and Scotty complete a full tour of the ship. Upon returning to the bridge, uh, they ask where the new glory hole is. And Harriman says, I'm sorry, what's what's a glory hole? <laughs> Kirk is like, let's go into your ready room. <laughs> do you have um do you have a laser drill at all? <laughs> oh, found it. Yep. Uh, so they come back uh, about four and a half minutes later, mm. <laughs> in which time uh, Scotty and Chekhov just kind of stare at each other and you know. <laughs> Scotty's like, oh, this is nice carpet. And Chekhov's like, yeah, yeah. It's weird they still have carpet in the future, right? And Scotty's like, yeah, very weird. Carpet sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like wood paneling. Chekhov's like, yeah, yeah. And then Harriman uh, comes out of the ready room and he, he wipes his mouth and he's like, oh, glory like Klingons. I get what you mean. I do feel pretty good. I don't feel honorable. No, <laughs> I, feel, I feel very dishonorable. I feel like I lost something, but <laughs> I feel like I'll never get it back. No. I, I, I think it's my innocence. I yeah. think, yeah, this it's, was, this was childhood's end. Yeah. <laughs> uh man, it's gonna take a lot of Vulcan therapy to get out of this yeah. one. Um. So, uh, upon returning to the bridge, uh. They're asked how it feels to be back after having seen the whole ship, uh, to which they all rather awkwardly reply, fine, mm. because only Kirk got to see the whole ship, <laughs> H-O-L-E, my friends, the glory hole. Uh, Harriman informs the reporters that the Enterprise course today will take them out just beyond Pluto and then back to space dock. Uh, just a quick run around the block, and uh, the one of the reporters says, what the fuck is Pluto? Oh, yeah. Just then, a distress call comes in from the con. The voice on the distress call notes that their ship, the SS Lackle, is one of two ships in their convoy that are currently trapped in a severe gravimetric distortion. They cannot break free and seek immediate help. The voice also reports that it is tearing their ships apart. You're tearing my ship apart! Uh, before the transmission is cut off. Ensign Sulu tells Captain Harriman that the ships are only three light years away. At first hesitant, Captain Harriman asks uh, the Enterprise uh, signal the closest starship, stating that they are currently in no condition to mount a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. At this, Kirk jumps up from his chair and stares at Harriman, because that's just who Kirk is. Yeah. Kirk's, a, Kirk's a dumbass. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a hothead. Uh, the captain tells Kirk <clears throat> that... They don't even have a full crew aboard. The operations officer notes that they are the only ship in range. Which is... How? How is it that the, the Earth's solar system never has a starship nearby except for fucking Enterprise? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is basically how every single TOS movie has started. Yes. And it hasn't made sense ever. <laughs> ever. It's, like, it's, it's, a, it's I, in my opinion, bad writing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a fine way to like... It's, it's a fine way to start a story... One time. One time. They did it, like, at the very beginning. Yeah. They, they did it on Star Trek The Motion Picture. 
Mm-hmm. Fucking, uh, what, like 15 years before this film was made. Yeah, it's a, this is the exact start of of, of uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> it's just like, okay, we can stop doing this as the start. For L- Literally, like, Harriman and Decker are the same character. Yeah. Except, so, like, Harriman's a big pussy. Yeah. And Decker's the only hero in that yeah, fucking like, film. Yeah, so. like, uh, he's very Cameron uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off in this. He's kind of like, uh, 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 Early Cameron, not end er, of the film yeah, Cameron. Early, yeah, early Cameron. Yeah. Like, he yeah. pretty... He pretty much just lets you know, you know, uh, uh, William William Bueller <laughs> take over, like you know, and they're yeah. and they're like you know at the end they're basically like uh, driving the Enterprise backwards to bring mm-hmm. down the speedometer. <laughs> <laughs> Do they crash it right into yeah, space? They talk? crash it right into space. <laughs> <laughs> my boat, my boat. Ad- <laughs> my admiral's gonna kill me. <laughs> Uh, so the captain tells Kirk that they don't have a full crew aboard, um, but they're told they are the only ship in range. So faced with this, Harriman reluctantly orders the Enterprise into action, having the ship be accelerated to maximum warp. Kirk nervously shifts around in his chair. Scotty notices this and asks if there is something wrong with his chair, implying that he knows Kirk uh, wants to take over the situation. Uh, Kirk's like, no, just my remote control butt plug. I don't know who's doing it, but mm. they're tipping me a ton of tokens right now. <laughs> and uh, this is another thing, yeah. I mean, I guess we didn't really come to this, <clears throat> come to him you know, at six. You know, he basically steals the Enterprise. You know, he steals the Enterprise <laughs> in one, two, yeah. <laughs> five, <laughs> all the time he's, six. He's like, has to like, right at the end, he's like, all right, we need you back. And you're like, we're not going to listen to them to steal the entire ship. Yeah. But it's just like, come on, man. You haven't let go. This 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 seems like a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. This seems like an addiction. No, and that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, we you were with uh, us for, yeah, all of all of the, the movie review podcasts. That was kind of my final conclusion at the end of all the movies is this is a series of films much in the way that like uh, George Lucas's all of his Star Wars films are about the villain of Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the original TOS films are about the villain of James T. Kirk. Yeah, like and and basically like it's him fighting his ego for six films, and Even- it's a super interesting character study. But like. People who get it twisted and are like, oh, uh, Kirk is the hero of these films. He is only the hero of number four. Yeah. And it's him and Spock and the whole crew, really. Yeah. They're all heroes. Mm-hmm. That's the only film in which he is a blameless hero. Yes. <laughs> like, he's he's responsible for everything that happened in two and three. He fucking wrests control of the ship in one uh, and five and six. Like, I don't know. He sucks, man. Yeah. And... And that's the thing, like, um, <clears throat> like I, it, it would have been funnier if they, or better if they actually had like a more uh, confident captain mm-hmm. for this for start for the Enterprise B, who just brought you just like told Kirk to like sit the fuck down, but instead like been said Harriman's just like you, you take over. It, what it, do we do? It's super funny because like people still have this <laughs> ultimate reverence for James T. Kirk mm-hmm. when he is, I believe. The only admiral in Starfleet history that has ever been demoted. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, mm. he shouldn't be that well. He was literally demoted. Like, he's, he should be very, 
you know, considered very fortunate for not ha- getting like a, a dishonorable discharge. Yeah. <laughs> for his shit. Because he pulled some dumb fucking antics. Yeah. And literally got demoted back to fucking being captain of the Enterprise. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, you're a better fit for this. Yeah, that's like fucking management talk for, we don't trust you in management. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. That's, it would have been funny if he just got it, got a desk job somewhere on Earth. Right. <laughs> or, you know, they just made him like a cashier at the fucking gift, the Starfleet gift shop. Like, Uh-oh. yeah, oh, wait yeah, you're the captain of the register now, okay, buddy? But like, wait a minute. We're a cashless society, so what does the what does the cashier do? Uh, that Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they just like. You can, <laughs> you have to, you, you see this pad here? Uh, you can accept tips on here if people mm-hmm. want to give them to you. You don't, it's uh, totally optional though. Um, yeah. Wait, what are tips? <laughs> Listen, mm. man, I don't have time to explain. Just uh, sit here and act like you're doing something. They're feelings, okay? <laughs> they're, they're just they're just smiley faces. You just get, we tell you how many happy face emojis you got at the he end of this. He just has a small notebook and people can draw a smiley face or a frowny <laughs> face. And you get to keep the smiley face ones. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, it is funny. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, he's able to just wrest control from this like little little, little pussy. This little pussy is cucked, cucked uh, the cucked uh, Enterprise B captain, dude. Yeah, it's and he's yeah, <laughs> he is bowling his way through every single captain of every Enterprise. <laughs> no, yeah, and yeah, didn't and it barely took like uh, like was this like I think we're still only like ten minutes into the movie. It's like, it, it'd be... it didn't take that long for him to just be like, I'm I'm control of the enterprise now <laughs> yeah look at this, me this i'm the <laughs> captain now yeah, yeah, yeah that's what he did basically every did time yeah. every time uh so kirk nervously shifts around in his chair scott notices this and asks if there's something wrong with the chair implying he knows kirk uh wants to take over the uh situation not far out they encounter two l l arian refugee ships like uh, guinan mm-hmm. guinan's race uh the lacool and ss robert fox caught in a strange energy ribbon and they keep on calling it a ribbon which i'm like eh, i don't love that decision yeah faced with gravimetric distortions that threaten to destroy the ship harriman at the urging of captain kirk resolves to take the enterprise into the ribbon uh, once they get close enough the ship finds both ships being battered by the energy ribbon they keep saying ribbon and i keep writing it down and i'm like Dumb, dumb, stop, no. Yeah. Um, so Kirk immediately suggests that the Enterprise use its tractor beam to pull the ships away, only to be told uh, that it hasn't even been installed yet, not until Tuesday. Which is like, what? <laughs> Are, tr- the tractor beam? I feel like that's necessary even to take the ship out of space dock, right? Yeah, I, yeah like, the way they describe it, like, it doesn't make any sense, like, Okay, so you're gonna put like a um a ship that doesn't have like the basic functions on it. Yeah, the basic like the necessary functions to save someone. Yeah, even even at themselves, because like you know, it's space. Anything can can go wrong. Even though they're only within the solar system, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want that? And why why are you putting everyone's lives at risk and and then for this for this like for this thing? And obviously like and also not have any ships that anywhere. Can, like, yeah, and that doesn't make any sense. It's, so, like, it's so almost our- like it's a setup. It's yeah. like, it's almost, and that's the thing that makes me wonder every time if there's a more sinister force behind all of this. <laughs> and you know what? Part of me wonders if, like, every time maybe the comm officer is in cahoots with fucking with Kirk, and they're like, 
oh, they say the Enterprise is the only starship in the system where all of the starships are made. Like, wait, what? Yeah, because yeah, is that implying that there's no ships guarding Earth? The, at all that's the thing and also we know or we're pretty well aware i think that all of the uss federation starships at this point at least are made in a dry dock right next to earth yeah and also in mars yeah yeah and, well, and, within the solar system yeah. exactly yeah yeah and so, so like there's there should be ships around mars like there should well, be more any- completed ships this is the only complete starship being made right now yeah i'm like what fucking I what? <laughs> yeah, why not? Also, what? And, uh, yeah, why wouldn't you have like a complement ship, just like a smaller, a small like, sister ship, a sister ship? Yeah, yeah, just like track along, just to be on the safe side. Who knows? Why? Why not? Because story. Because writing. Yeah, we we have to create this scenario. Too. This is it's super weird to me. I'm gonna say it. I think I've I've gone on record. Ronald D. Moore is my, probably my favorite Star Trek writer. Mm-hmm. All of his worst writing is in the TNG films. Yeah, all of it. And I, I do wonder. I mean this this is like the this is like the first one that's after Roddenberry's death, right? The first film, yeah, yeah. And, and um, no, no, because uh, at the very beginning of Star Trek Six, I think they have a in memory of Gene, right? Well, that I think one? I think he died after it was completed. Right, right, and, but uh, but it before it was released. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like this is like the first movie that was done without any of his influence, you know. And he was kind of right. like he was kind of like you know. I mean, the, he had he, an antagonistic relationship. With yeah, the he didn't really have place. a ton of influence in any of the TOS films <clears> except <throat> for the first one, because yeah, he disagreed with what the studio wanted to do and what all of the directors wanted to do. Yeah, basically. and so I kind of wonder if like, but now it's like Rick Berman that they're dealing with. And I think like I wonder how many of these story like rewrites or story changes how much is ronald d moore and how much is rick berman like mm, and how much is brandon Braga? yeah and writing. like i'm i'm gonna guess like a lot of the dumbest shit picking from this is rick berman's Definitely. influence mm-hmm. because like there is like i mean we'll get into it just like how there's a lot of weird things that you know i didn't really notice as a child <laughs> like the, rewatching. so so yeah uh yeah i i remember this movie fairly fondly yeah I remember it being, you know, not as good as uh, First Contact, but I mm-hmm. thought, I remember it being, for some reason, and I kind of watched it recently-ish in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. and I remember it being not one of the worst Star Trek films. Yeah. And I think I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think this could be maybe the worst Star Trek film. And before, I was like, maybe Insurrection... I, no, I think Insurrection probably definitely, or Nemesis. And that's the thing. I, I could maybe make a case for all of them, except for, you know, like First Contact. Uh, First Contact is genuinely good. The rest are genuinely not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not quality. No. So, uh, Harriman then tries a couple of safe maneuvers to try to free the ships, but to no avail before... The SS Robert Fox explodes, killing all 265 people on board. Now admitting that he's out of his depth, Captain Harriman turns over control of the situation to Captain Kirk, who immediately leaps into action and suggests they attempt to get close enough to uh, meet transporter range and beam the Elarians off the SS LaCole. When Harriman points out the hazards and says it could rip them apart, Kirk replies, that's part of his job, to rip you apart. 
Back into the ready room, Captain. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you another demotion with this pog. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, uh, Herman orders the ship in. However, the initial attempt is made difficult as the Elarian life signs phase in and out of the space-time continuum, which is noted by a human helmsman played by Tim Motherfucking Russ. Yeah. Uh, later of Tuvok fame, I think three years later or two years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also one of the initial choices for the role of Jordy. Mm. Fun fact. Uh, He's also in the episode where um, um, Picard is uh, is John McClane. Yes, he certainly is. is. I, I think isn't he on two episodes of TNG? Or maybe he's just on this in one episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I know he makes a couple appearances before he becomes Tuvok, yeah. which Picard is Picard pretty, pretty much just kills him. Yeah, we, we <laughs> love that. We love Tim his, Russ getting fucking murked. When he's doing his John McClane shit. It's not as cool as Tim Russ murking um, uh, Neelix, though. We, no. we love that the most. <laughs> I, whenever I'm feeling down, I just put that on. and Yeah, or anytime you want to bust a nut really fast. I, I was going to say, like... whenever I'm feeling down, I put that on and it uh, lifts me up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> My penis. It's like, it lifts uh, up my penis. Damn it, I gotta go out, but I got a nut. Oh, this, this 100%, 100% uh, success rate. Fucking <laughs> gets my nut like a hungry squirrel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Scotty begins a transport from the lackle as it, too, explodes. He managed to save 47 out of 150. Mm. So kills 103 people <laughs> with his inaction. Thanks a lot, Hiraman. <laughs> Uh, shortly afterwards, the Enterprise herself gets trapped by the Energy Ribbon. Mm-hmm. In Sec Bay, Chekhov and two of the reporters he wrangled to be nurses attempt to help wounded refugees as the ship is rocked by the gravimetric distortions as the Enterprise medical staff also hasn't arrived. A distraught middle-aged man is particularly violent in his desire to return to the ship and it has to be sedated by Chekhov. This guy looks cool as hell, by the way. Yeah. We'll learn more about him later. <laughs> also among the refugees is Guinan, whom Chekhov notices standing in the corner of the room in distress and takes her somewhere where she can lie down. Mm-hmm. On the bridge, Kirk, Scotty, and the Enterprise crew frantically work to free the ship from the energy ribbon to no avail. Scotty determines that a photon torpedo blast would free the ship, but once again, uh, Sulu says no torpedoes are present. Don't tell me. Tuesday, <laughs> he says incredulously to Harriman. Mm-hmm. Kirk does, because uh, Kirk's just a fucking dickhead. And Harriman's like, I mean, Harriman should have been like, dude, I said we shouldn't go into this. We aren't prepared. I fucking said so. What the fuck? Like, yeah. stop blaming me. <laughs> it's your, you wanted to go. Yeah. Um. So. Scott, yeah, it's like, not like he, 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 said like yeah we are not prepared like they should just listen to him yeah he's uh, uh, crazy that a captain of a ship would actually know you know the fucking condition of a ship and its ability to perform a mission Mm -hmm. it's wild man yeah anyway um so scotty suggests using the navigational deflector to simulate the effect of a torpedo blast initially harriman volunteers to go to the deflector control to make the necessary modifications and ask Kirk to take the con for the ship and command it. But um, Kirk sits down for a moment in the con, and after a moment of sitting there and contemplating, he quickly realizes it's no longer his place for the first time in his motherfucking life, Mm -hmm. and tells Harriman he will go instead 
in the first selfless action in his motherfucking life. He just wanted to be the hero. He did. He did. Yeah. He's like, hey, maybe I could do a Spock here and they could revive me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What do I do with my Katra? <laughs> That's in the balls, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you just fuck something on the way there. <laughs> it just, it's like, Harriman, can I put my Katra in your mouth? <laughs> Get in the ready room, boy. You already did twice, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to put my full Katra in you. That was a, that was a, a, a mini Katra. We'll say a mini, yeah, a mini Katra. <laughs> He just he just holds it inside of his butt, but until they're able to have like another I, a, a, they're able to re, reclaim Kirk's body. He just goes, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and just ejects all over the Kirk's body, <laughs> and he should be coming back any time now. And the the cum that's just been on inside of him for for God knows how long, just like sorry, this is really disgusting. <laughs> just just keep coming in the transporter. We can rebuild him. We can rebuild him. Um, so, uh, Kirk tells Scotty to hold things together until he gets back. And Scotty says, I always do, in a line that is very obviously meant for Spock. Yes. In the bowels of the Enterprise, Captain Kirk chain, uh, charges to the rescue, climbing into the guts of the ship to modify the main deflector. And he's like, yeah, you like me all up in that guts fucking Enterprise B? That's Enterprise B for my bitch. You like that Enterprise bitch? Uh, the ship shakes and shudders under the stress of the ribbon. When Kirk finishes the modifications, Harriman orders the deflector activated, creating a resonance burst that pushes the Enterprise free. As the ship begins to move away, however, an energy, uh, sorry, an arc of energy lashes out, opening a gash along the hole. Hells yeah. And Kirk is like, fucking gash, my favorite, <laughs> uh, and goes inside. So <laughs> when they get free, they find uh, out in the damage report that uh, from Ensign Sulu that the hole breach was located in the engineering section on decks 13, 14, and 15. Uh-oh. including the very section Kirk himself was in, which is 15. Uh, failing to contact Kirk by communication, a horrified Harriman and Scott rush to the scene. When they get there, joined shortly by Chekhov, they find nothing but mangled technology and empty space, with no sign whatsoever of Kirk. Chekhov incredulously asks if anyone was in here, and all Scotty can muster is a grim-sounding A. Yeah, and that was definitely a line that was meant for um, uh, Bones. Like, my God, who was in here? Yeah. I hope nobody was in here or something. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. definitely like something that Bones would have said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it would have been more direct. We'd be like, God damn it, if anyone was in here, they'd get so many lacerations, their dick would fall out their fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, they would just be covered in blood and cum and feces. <laughs> The energy burst immediately makes you fucking lose your bowels. So I bet, I bet he was fucking tasty for and just like, a second. Tasted like, just like, just like a uh, uh, Thanksgiving roast. Like, Half digested. Kirk was in here. He's like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Well, he probably tastes like shit. I mean, not the good kind, because I kind of like that. Which, what's funny is, I guess, in the novelization of this film, like there is a scene where Spock and Bones do attend Shatner's funeral. Mm. But that's, I guess, and like it was not filmed at all or anything, obviously, <laughs> for this. Right, right. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and then like everybody leaves and they're like, well, old boy, I guess there's only one last thing to say. Zip. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
Scott, Chekhov, and Harriman steer somberly through the enormous breach in the Enterprise as the damaged Enterprise B begins its journey back home. Next, we take a jump. 78 years later, in the future, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Commander William T. Riker, and the rest of the senior staff of the USS Enterprise D, as well as some other extras, have gathered on the ship's holodeck. Acting as the crew of a 19th century sailing ship, also called the Enterprise, the Starfleet officers celebrate the promotion of Lieutenant Worf to Lieutenant Commander. The way they do this, I think, is a maybe problematic. <laughs> yeah. They start out with like... It's, 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 it's uh, interesting to start it off with, yeah, black man in shackles. I was, yes, I was going to say, like, I watched this, I'm like, I don't think this is aged super well because it's like an entirely white crew and the only person who isn't white in the crew... Is Jordy. Is Jordy, who is a blind black man that has its own implications, yeah. a blind black man and a crew of white people. Mm. And like immediately... They take up a prisoner black man who's a Klingon, to be fair. And mm. Klingons aren't necessarily black, but Michael Dorn definitely is black. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's brought up from the depths in shackles. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no. no. Especially <laughs> since, like, they should have known better. Fucking Jordy, LeVar Burton was Kunta Kinte on Roots, man. And there's a Kunta Kinte scene in this movie. It's, yeah, <laughs> like I was, a, uh, and it's interesting that they chose like like to make it aesthetically look like the Kunta Kinte scene. You're not wrong, and and yeah, and then the this is like okay, yeah, we're this is kind of like bad, but yeah, it's not a great filmmaking decision. In fact, I mean, it's a bad filmmaking decision. <laughs> I I get them wanting to like make it really epic and stuff, but like. I mean, just the decisions they made and the implications that I'm sure they didn't mean for them to have, but mm -hmm. they could have. Yeah. Tells me they were a little, I mean, first and foremost, the only people involved in writing and producing this film are white, yeah. which I pretty much know for a fact. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. But also, it's just like, it's just ignorant. <laughs> just bad. It's a bad look, man. Didn't age well at all. But you'll see they're actually giving them a barrage. <laughs> yeah, right. So. <sighs> um, so, acting as a crew of the 19th century sailing ship, the Enterprise, the Starfleet officers celebrate the promotion of Lieutenant Worf to Lieutenant Commander. And they do this by doing a rite of passage, which is making uh, the person jump while balancing on a plank of an old ship uh, to retrieve a hat, which he does successfully and smartly dons it, but is then purposely sent into the water when Riker orders the computer to remove the plank, <laughs> which was actually kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and, and funny also. Uh, while the rest of the crew laughs, Data admits to Dr. Crusher that he doesn't understand why Worf falling into freezing cold water is so amusing to people. Crusher tells him that it's just a bit of harmless fun and he should try to get into the spirit of things. Uh, and it is funny because it is, uh, quote, unexpected. Data tells her he understands, then suddenly pushes her overboard. Uh, and she falls into the sea, taking uh, Worf back in with her mm -hmm. as he gets up. And Worf has, did you notice Worf has a bloody knee? No, I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, I was, I was like, I don't, I don't think I noticed it before. They, they've been making him suck dick below deck, boy. <laughs> yeah. Bro, like hey, boy. Well, yeah, you're my sex slave now, boy. That, that was something that they did. Uh, that, that was the real one. That, this other thing was like what they do for everybody else. Like, right, yeah. right. You got <laughs> to service everyone orally. And, but like that's the real you know, promotion. Uh, uh, 
uh, uh, ritual we do, but yeah, this yeah. is for everybody else. You're, you don't get the extra pip until you get scars on your knees. <laughs> all right, that's them's the them's the deal. But yeah, I was like wondering, like, where, how, how did he hurt his leg falling in the water? But uh, sucking dick on the way sucking down, sucking dick on the way Seeing down, all the dick on the way down, bro. <laughs> Had to stop at the porthole where the cannon goes. It's a, it's a glory, <laughs> glory hole now. I just cannon-sized dick sticking out. Um, so, um, data. Uh, uh, so, data turns, expecting everyone to be laughing, only to find uh, the faces of his horrified crewmates, uh, Jordy and Troy, with LaForge telling him that was not funny. Which, leaving which, data even more confused and but although this is like the beginning of my favorite game that they picked mm-hmm. uh, back up on um wonder shows and funny not funny yeah funny funny yeah. not funny yeah, the, but honestly it was funny as hell the like, animal pooping uh, not funny then they poop, poop going back in the yeah, animals, funny. Yeah, that was really fun. yeah, just like war footage funny yeah, yeah. So, savoring the simpler times the holographic ship represents, Captain Picard receives a personal message from Earth on the holodeck arc. Well, I'm sorry, arch. Uh, While reading the communique, Picard's expression changes to one of obvious distress, which Deanna Troy picks up on. Picard looks out to the sea in silence. When Troy asks him if he's all right, he replies that he's fine and abruptly leaves a celebration. Just after he leaves, a call comes in from the bridge. The... Just really, yeah, just really, yeah, they do the same thing in lower decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Boimler finds out like um, his transporter clone is yeah, you're right, yeah, uh, that's, that's is, is dead. Like, um, mm-hmm. but Boimler, yeah, but comes back to the holodeck mm-hmm. program, but yeah, but gets the message while mm-hmm. in the holodeck. And- mm-hmm. So just after he's gone, a call comes in from the bridge. The Amargosa Observatory is under attack. Red alert! All hands to battle stations. Captain Picard to the bridge. Uh, Riker orders while leaving the holodeck. <laughs> Arriving at the observatory, orbiting the Amargosa star, Picard and company take their positions on the bridge, still dressed in formal naval uniforms, which is actually sick as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding the station suffering from severe damage and casualties, a still visibly upset Picard orders the ship to stand down from red alert. He then has Riker and an away team head over to search for survivors and retreats to his ready room, after snapping at Riker to just do it when his first officer tries to get more specific orders out of him. And this is like the first time we ever really see Picard being a dickhead to fucking Riker. Yeah, you see I it mean, I mean you, yeah, yeah. you see it, but there's always like a reason. And yeah, it's and always I, like I just, he's like he's being possessed by something. Yeah, like, like eventually like Picard and Riker talk it out. But yeah. I just realized Riker never finds out. True that that uh about about why picard's so pissed like right, i just realized right, right. that like they never have that talk that's true so he's <laughs> and maybe that was maybe that was actually removed from the film because yeah that, that feels like a big oversight cause... yeah the only one he talks to is um deanna yeah and uh he doesn't talk that... carefully about it he, nah. uh i don't know that shit sucks man <laughs> like the, all of him like dealing with emotions and like there's so many scenes in this movie with like no music and that's fine yeah. I think that works for the series and stuff, but like when you have like four fucking minutes of dialogue in a movie with like no music whatsoever, it yeah. gets weird, man. Yeah, you notice it. Yeah. Um so do 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 this confirms Counselor Troy's suspicion that something is seriously wrong with the captain. Mm-hmm. 
Beaming over to the devastated Federation installation, Riker, Worf, Dr. Crusher, and some security officers find an Elarian scientist, Dr. Tolian Soren, the guy that we saw earlier, mm-hmm. uh, who's the, the cool-looking middle-aged man mm-hmm. with cool hair. <laughs> uh, injured and buried among the wreckage, and he's played by none other than Malcolm McDowell. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty good cool. get, good get, good actor. Yeah, uh, he's, he's. I, I, I feel they kind of squandered him as. A oh, a hundred percent. Terrible use of him. Terrible yeah. use. We'll talk about that though. So, yeah. elsewhere, uh, Lorf, uh, Lorf, Worf locates. <laughs> Worf locates the remains of one of the station's attackers. A Romulan. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. In his quarters, Data and Chief Engineer Jordy LaForge are sitting together at a table, hard at work, mutual masturbation. Uh, Jordy comes three times because <laughs> Data has some crazy skills with those hands. Yeah, he do. But Data doesn't come at all because he's got a robot penis. He could just be like, yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. his, his, his whole hand starts rotating, the inside like, of his hand. Ah, oh, like, Data, that's too much. <laughs> it's burning! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you've removed three layers of skin and my foreskin. What the hell? Strips the flesh from it. <laughs> he has it on he has it on um on uh on uh the um the uh, pasta the pasta the pasta, <laughs> the, the pasta uh folding uh setting where it just like starts like dick skin starts coming out. So, it's like ripping the husk off a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um uh yeah, they're mutual masturbating, uh but uh Despite frequent interruptions by the uh, Data's cat, Spot. It is weird, though, that they are working inside Data's quarters. Like, Why? I don't know. I just feel like they have like their w- different workstations. They typically don't bring their work back into their... I mean, into their, I don't uh, think you're allowed to like jerk each other off in public on the oh, ship. Yeah. No, but I mean, they are working on little little computer boards. No, they're they're masturbating <laughs> each other. They're they're not working on anything work related. I'll just say it'd be make more sense to work on it there. They might be docking. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or frauding. Frauding. Yeah, pretty frauding. Funny. Yeah. Probably frauding. <laughs> um. I mean, so you're right. That's actually what happens in this film. But my head cannon is yeah, that doing they, yeah. like not not Brit's head cannon where they're just like cranking each other off. But, uh, I mean, in my head canon, <laughs> this movie's much better, and it's like yeah. at least fifty minutes of Jordy and, and and Data <laughs> just jerking each other off in fun new ways. And Data's yeah. like, "Have you ever been jerked off upside down, Jordy?" And he's like, "I'm blind. I don't know what upside down is." Yeah, it's, very, it's very French. Your version's very French. It's just like it's it just is. it's just like the like you know the set the, like you would think like the sex has nothing to do, but it's like has everything to do. Oh, oh no, no, the, the, the story is the sex. The, the fact that they're the on a starship is completely incidental. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like we, if, if you erase this, if you erase the se- the 50 minutes of sex, like, mm-hmm. it just feels complete. It feels oh, incomplete. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like in you a w- world <laughs> where a blind man loves an android. Uh, that's it. That's the whole film. Yellow, <laughs> yellow eyes are the warmest color. <laughs> yellow eyes, yellow cum. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Still got time. They're both they're both still alive. You can make your version. Yeah. You gotta like write a letter to write a convincing letter. <laughs> letter to the editor of the yeah. National Review. Or just write it to <laughs> Brendan Spiner and uh and um uh LeVar Burton just be Dear like Dear hey. Brent Spiner, you were rude to me ten years ago. <laughs> I'm sure you don't remember, but I'd like you to make gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a remake of Generations that's actually just gay porn. I mean 
you were the villain in Master of Disguise, so you really can't sink any lower at this point, right? I mean, maybe Picard season you're, two. You're, you're, all you're doing is playing Soongs in Androids. Yep. This is your chance out. This yeah. is the way to break the cycle. Yeah. The only way out is in my gay porn. <laughs> is in LeVar Burton. <laughs> <laughs> or... Or you could bottom for him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Or you switch. Who cares? Who yeah, cares? You, you guys figure it out amongst yourselves. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, you're going to listen to my script. Debt. <laughs> like, completely. Uh, yeah. Don't. Or or I'm going to pull the trigger. By the way, I'm behind you. <laughs> Gun to your head. Read it, Brent. Read it now. Read it. Data ponders his difficulty with humor and other human emotions and comes to the conclusion that he cannot continue to grow without the aid of Dr. Soong's Emotion chip. Yeah. Blue shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's like, Data, you can stay hard forever. You don't really need that. And he's like, I want to know what it's like to be human, to have an uncontrollably hard cock. I can control it too much. Um, so despite the risks it poses to his ponosotronic brain, Data urges LaForge to install the chip into him. LaForge is like, do you really want it inside? And Data's like, I need it inside. <laughs> Same writes itself. I'm not going to feel anything yeah. until you put it right inside <laughs> of me, Jordy. And Jordy's like, but I usually have the chip put inside of me because mm-hmm. of my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Data's like, who's Chip? <laughs> <laughs> chip and Dale, you know them. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, Chippendale's dancer. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's male strippers. Yeah. Do you think they think they, they have strippers? I mean, they have the Cation stripper. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I think they have strippers. Yeah, I mean, in, in TNG, you think they have strippers still? I mean, because TOS, you definitely have, like, uh, Orion strippers. You have mm-hmm. Cation strippers. There's definitely strippers and, like, sex work for sure. Yeah. But all the way back. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's, a, it's, a, it's an art form. Ooh, I bet they have like betazoid like mind fuckers, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine like fucking imagine like uh like Luxwana Troy like jerking you off with her thoughts, dude. Hells yeah. Imagine the kind of sloppy she could do on you, dude. Yeah, this this is again, this is what we need to explore about the civilian life of of uh Star Trek. <laughs> we need to make like in uh, the the Star Trek equivalent of Andor, but it's all about young Luxwana being like an ambassador, uh, with the emphasis on ass. Mm. Mm. Ambassador. Sure. That's what that, that's what it's called instead of Andor. Ambass and. Ooh, I like this. And, and uh, yeah, Disney will be like, "That's clear copyright yeah. violation." We'll be like, "Fuck you and your lawyers," and then we'll go to actual jail. Yeah, we'll go to actual, actual jail. jail. Like, like they'll kidnap us and put us in a foreign jail. Like, uh, with, with how litigious, like you Disney don't fuck is. with the mouse. Yeah, you don't, you fuck, with don't the, fuck with the mouse. That's why I was like when uh went to uh, um Grand Cinema in uh, Tacoma last night. They had like one of the, like the little things that um, mm-hmm. the ads that they had before the movie. Like like one of the local weed shops mm-hmm. had like a um a uh, Star Wars themed. No, ad. that's a bad idea. <laughs> I was just like. Damn. Yeah, that, that that weed shop's gonna be owned by Disney in the next <laughs> yeah, nine Disney, months. Exactly, Disney's gonna. Yeah, because it was like, uh, it was, it was like, like, oh wow, well, I guess we're in the fucking legal marijuana business yeah, now. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like Boba Fett, like, uh, and uh, ordering them to give him a nug or something, and that two stormtroopers <laughs> carrying like a giant um, weed. Nug. So, so, folks, that this is literally the only reason we are not a Star Wars podcast and we're a Star <laughs> Trek podcast is because I could like 
individually beat up every single lawyer Viacom has. <laughs> yeah. Like they're all fucking pussies. Mm-hmm. I am afraid of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Like if if I make you know, if they find out, like if I was making bootleg Star Wars shirts and they found out, like I would wake up in an Indonesian prison <laughs> yeah. next week. You'd be in a C- I I and that's you no one would ever know. You're like, am I at a CIA black site? No, you're at a Disney black site. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like you're just like uh like a mile underneath Disney World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the tragic kingdom. <laughs> the tragic kingdom. Um so um Meeting with Picard in his ready room. No, uh, no, nope, nope, already read that. So, yeah, meeting with Picard in his ready room, Riker reports that it's obvious from the initial investigation that the Romulans attacked the station looking for something, but have left no clues as to what. But a recovered tricorder may yield some answers. Picard tells Riker this may indicate that the Romulans are increasing their presence in that sector and orders him to contact Starfleet Command. Riker is surprised, given that this is normally done by Picard himself, but agrees before reporting that Dr. Soren urgently wishes to meet with a captain. Picard complies, but coldly rebuffs Riker when inquired as to what is wrong. Once again, being a real fucking dickhead here. Yeah, and again, like, yeah, Picard never explains what's going on with him to Riker. No. Which is weird because, you know, Riker is his number one. Mm. He should have... Have a direct line to no, like what, everything that the captain's thinking. He needs to know everything the captain knows because he's like the fucking vice president. Like, if the captain dies, he's the captain now. The captain's compromised. Uh-huh. The captain can't fucking do best it. of both worlds. It, it, yeah, the captain. Uh, fucking uh, first contact. This. And that's another <laughs> thing. Like I was thinking the entire time. Because um, we talk about like what happened yet. Yeah, like Remy died. Um. No. Yeah. Well, are you talking about later in the film? Or, like, well, like, right now, because, like, I was just saying, like... No, we haven't talked about that. Because, like, you think, like, you would have some sort of, like, bereavement leave. But, I mean, they're dealing with an emergency situation. He's, yeah. like, he's he's a proud guy. Yeah. That's the thing is he's, no matter what, he's always, no matter what he's dealing with emotionally, uh, up until Picard, the series, uh, like, yeah. Picard will always, like, be a captain first and deal with yeah. whatever later. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, anyway, so... Later in 10 forward, uh, Data is all smiles with his new emotion chip activated. He's having a hypomanic episode. It is nuts. Yeah. Like, he is, he's too much. He's like, he's like your comedian friend who just like, or he's, he's like a friend who has uh, just gotten sober in the last six months and decides to do stand-up comedy, and they're fucking insufferable because, yeah. like, they're always trying to be on, mm. but, like, they're just not that funny. No. Uh, yeah. And and this and again like yeah since the emotion chip has been untested mm. this would have been again this is something that would have been better on Data's own time yes to like definitely work out the kinks because also he, as a Starfleet officer as someone who's not in command of his emotions mm. like during like because you know during like the academy thing mm-hmm. you have to pass a test where you you know your emotions you know could eat you know you have to like deal with them and yeah. and, and test you have situations. to pass a uh, psychological test and which, like which this passed... t- changes his psychology entirely oh yeah like he of course he passed you know because he's like a level-headed android without right without um, with that emotional influence but now he has emotional influence and so and he's... now he's acting like fucking tilly from discovery <laughs> yeah <laughs> like almost worse like yeah. almost <laughs> yeah, yeah but but yeah now now yeah again he's like another person that could potentially be compromised based on their emotions just mm-hmm. like picard and um, it 
probably should not be in um probably taking some personal time yeah to, probably like to get it under control some shore leave or something not something you want to do while on the job yeah um definitely not <laughs> so uh yeah that'd be <laughs> i mean it's basically like yeah like he's he's doing like in, you know taking a, a huge dose of like adrenaline and like testosterone all at once on the job like mm -hmm. that's not a great idea buddy the is yeah he's got a vibrating butt plug in his butt that, oh. that's that, that's being controlled by jordy oh 100 percent. it's being <laughs> controlled by his visor so whenever jordy yeah. blinks it goes <laughs> um so uh data and laforge approach guinan at the bar and sample a new beverage from forkus three uh foreskin three actually immediately data experiences an emotional reaction he hates it mm. It stinks. Uh, as the two officers sample uh, more of the revolting beverage, Captain Picard enters and finds Dr. Soren among the crowd. Soren implores the captain to let him return to the observatory to continue a critical experiment. I do so, like when he enters, he asks some random bullion, where can I find Soren? The bullion's like, oh yeah, right there. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone knows Soren. Soren's a, a pimp, man. Yeah, uh, but, but, but also like, you know, in the show... This would have been a meeting that would have taken place in the conference room. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, and like, uh, this is, you know, the, the Tin Ford would have never, like, I don't think Picard would have ever met anyone professionally and, and I mean, Tin Forward. It, uh, yeah. I don't even think he would have used Tin Forward to, like, you know, organize refugees in. I feel like that's a no. dumb idea. Like, uh, hey, should, where should we, like, organize the refugees and figure out stuff? Like, maybe the, uh, I don't know, the, like, hangar bay or something? Yeah, there. medical bay so they yeah. can get checked over. Yeah, yeah, somewhere with, like, a lot of storage and room. Um, or the, no, or, no, do it in the bar. No, take them all yeah. to the fucking bar. With people laughing. Get them drunk. With people laughing. Get them, and... get them fucking, give them all free drink tickets. Yeah, you would think they would want some, some time inside some quarters where they can decompress and just, like... Take them to the bar! And actually have Deanna doing something interesting. All their friends she... just died. Give them, get yeah. them drunk. Yeah, Deanna and, and Beverly would be on, be dealing with them directly and not, mm. like, not, like, just going for it and forward we're i don't know where a bartender is just fucking take all the security <laughs> protocols off of the fucking yeah 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 just let them have whatever they want whatever they want i don't give a fuck bring out the <laughs> romulan ale i know it's illegal they're sad yeah. let them have the illegal shit yeah get 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 that uh get that get that space heroin so right in their dick veins mm -hmm. hell yeah <laughs> so how um uh Picard enters and finds Dr. Soren among the crowd. Soren implores the captain to let him return to the observatory to continue a critical experiment, saying time is running out and years of research will be lost if he doesn't complete it in 12 hours. Mm. However, Picard is clearly not in the mood for any kind of confrontation and tells him bluntly that he can only return once his officers have concluded their investigation and concluded it's safe to return. However, Soren cryptically tells Picard that, quote, Time is the fire in which we burn. And right now, my time is running out. Mm -hmm. We leave so many things unfinished in our lives. I'm sure you understand. And Picard's like, yes, I feel unfinished right now. My balls are blue as fuck. <laughs> I was trying to masturbate when y'all needed rescuing. Oh, damn, you just said fire in which we burn, and my, my nephew literally just burned up in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Um, so this eerie statement breaks through Picard's stony resolve, and he agrees to see what he can do. 
After Picard leaves, Soren checks his pocket watch and starts to look around, and is shocked when he spots Guinan behind the bar and makes a quick exit. Mm. What's interesting, he actually had uh, Time is the Fire, which we burned, engraved on that stopwatch. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess Malcolm McDowell loved that phrase. It's a pretty sick phrase. It's a pretty sick phrase. So yeah, he was just like he wanted it engraved on, actually engraved on the stopwatch. So it's like that would be an awesome piece of merchandise to have. Yeah, and also up. it would have been a cool thing. For... As much as this movie sucks, yeah. like Malcolm McDowell is cool in this movie. Yeah, he's just squandered, and they like put him in so many. I mean, not. I mean, yeah, bottle scenes where it's just like him and Picard mm-hmm. or him and Kirk, and it's just like yeah, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and and also it's like. He's not seen as a direct adversary for Picard. Not, like, I mean, he is and he ha- isn't. He's yeah. like part of a larger problem, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just a thing that he deals with, but there is no, but yeah, like it's just Picard doing his job. There's no like, yeah. no like, um, it's not like, you know, Wrath of Connor. Yeah, there's no like emotional bent to it or or even like Star Trek VI where he's mm-hmm. like a racist and he's yeah. like, I fucking, fucking hate these Klingons sons of bitches, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, as he leaves, Guinan senses that something isn't right, but Soren is gone by the time that she looks around. In engineering, Commander Riker checks on the status of the analysis of the retrieved Romulan tricorder that Farrell is examining. Worf reports that the Romulans were searching for a compound called trilithium, a substance capable of destroying a star. However, the Romulans never found a way to stabilize it. Uh, which is interesting they'd be searching for trilithium because it's uh, made pretty clear like pretty early on in TOS that um, trilithium is actually something that comes out of the warp engines from Romulan ships. Like, mm. so, um, I, don't, I don't know why they'd need to find it. Yeah, it's a waste product. Exactly. Yeah. It's weird. But mm. uh, Riker doesn't understand why the Romulans would ransack a Federation facility for it, um, not for the reasons I just explained, but for other reasons the writers didn't explain. Rick Berman. Rick Berman. Um, but orders <laughs> Data in LaForge to have the observatory searched. On the station, Data in LaForge use tricorders to search for trilithium. As they Data perform their scans, the worst. Data is the most <laughs> annoying, like, fucking coked up little bottom bitch here. And I do love how Jordy, how this plays against Jordy. Yeah. Jordy, it like, I think is just like the audience for it because like yeah, because everyone's exhausted with this. It, so <laughs> it's like straight up like it's Brent Spiner doing basically like a pistachio disguise. <laughs> yeah. It's him being just annoying and doing different voices and shit. And like he's, he's definitely, he talks with the tricorder as it's like a as though it's like a puppet. He's doing a like a Robin Williams. He is. He's definitely like, doing oh, oh, oh no. Oh. Oh jeez! Oh, no. oh no! Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's my impression of a hot dog. That sounds pretty good. And yeah, he says, "Yeah, this." I think, I think if they actually had, Robin oh, I'm Lewis, a real boy now. I'm a real oh, boy. Oh, jeez! Oh. Oh. oh, I like Pinocchio. Oh, but <laughs> oh, is my nose grown? Oh, oh no, it's on my nose. It's my penis. Whoop! Whoop! Yeah. If they had Robin Williams in this scene, it would have been so much better. So there was actually a TNG episode that was written specifically to have Robin Williams in it. Oh, fuck. But, but they never got him, so they just Wait, never made uh, it. Wait, was it the episode that with um, the Matt, uh, what's his face, I'm, Matt I'm, Fewer? I'm pretty sure they actually never made the episode because oh, okay. they couldn't get Robin Williams. But I'm not 100% sure. But there was an episode written specifically with him in mind. Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But they couldn't do that, so they did this dog shit fucking data thing. Yeah, Brent Spiner's doing the Robin Williams, but obviously, like, 
I don't think Brent Spiner's ever done cocaine. So he, he can't. That's a good point. I don't think he's done <laughs> yeah. cocaine either, which so, sucks. Like so, Brent Spiner would be awesome on cocaine. So I don't think, yeah. So I don't think he's able to tap into that manic genius of Robin Williams. I in mean, the scene. if he started doing cocaine <laughs> now, he could start looking like fucking data mm-hmm. from like, you know, early in TNG in a year or two, if he yeah. doesn't die. Yeah. You know, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I've got to gamble. Right? I mean, instead of, yeah, instead of getting, like, fat lore, we could get, like, the real data back. Yeah. And he'd have all the energy and spunk from before. <laughs> but this time, he'd probably, like, talk way too much about, like, guitars and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, on the station. Uh, so, uh, as they perform their scans, Data laughs incessantly and tells stupid jokes, including one he had heard LaForge tell on the bridge seven years previously during the Farpoint mission that he just finally understood. Uh, he congratulates LaForge. Very funny. Uh, <laughs> the punchline apparently was, the clown can stay, but the Ferengi in the gorilla suit has to go. Which I really need to know this setup. Because that, that punchline fucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. The story to that has to be awesome, right? Mm-hmm. So despite the distraction, LaForge finds a large hidden doorway that is magnetically sealed. Data is able to open it by reversing the polarity by attenuating uh, his axial servo found on his wrist. Techno babble, who cares? Yeah. After Data waves his wrist in front of the large door, it opens up. Open sesame! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Found behind the door is a secret lab filled with solar probes, if you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, that show signs of trilithium. Data is doing nothing but laughing now, and when annoyed Jordy finally asks him to knock it off, Data says while laughing that he can't help it and something must be wrong, and starts reeling in pain before collapsing as his neutral net, uh, sorry, his neural net has been overloaded by the emotion chip. So, um, Todd Phillips stole this scene from for Joker, right? The the bus scene where he's laughing on the bus. Oh, I'd actually never seen Joker. Excuse me. Yeah, I thought you were based. Uh, no, I, I made it. I made a. Uh, are you? I'm. Pat, I mean, are you? Pat, are you? Are you cringe? <laughs> I made. I made a. Um, I made a vow that I would never watch a superhero movie ever again in my life. <laughs> it's not a superhero movie. It's a villain film. <laughs> I know, but I still made that. I made that promise, and it's 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 a uh, superhero adjacent, and so it falls under that under that jurisdiction. I mean, when you think about it, everything is superhero adjacent. It is. So you shouldn't watch movies anymore. Yeah, I know, but I, but I, I, it's hard. But I stuck with it. There has been times that I've, that I've shaken this belief. I know Zazie Beetz is in in the Joker movie. Yeah, and love Zazie Beetz. She's great. Uh-huh. And um, but yeah, now I was just like, no, I will not watch it. Well, it's pretty <laughs> cringe, bro. I know. I'm pretty cringe. Pretty cringe. <laughs> It's got a it's got a Gary Glitter song in it, man. I I have heard about the glitter, Gary Glitter song, which is nuts. Like it's like who controls his uh his estate now? Like hopefully like the victims. It, yeah, because I yeah I mean is that the reason why they put it in so his victims can get paid? Because let's like, hope so. Yeah, I mean that's it's kind of like yeah we don't need to be sending his estate money. <laughs> So, unable to contact help through a dampening field protecting the lab, LaForge is confronted by Sori, who knocks the engineer out and turns a phaser on Data. Who somehow was able to transport off the ship without anyone noticing. Yes, correct. He didn't, like, it's never explained how. I mean, it could be a deleted scene, because there's a few deleted scenes of mm-hmm. stuff that's, like, referenced later on, like, you know, with you know, LaVar's torture right, scene. Right, right, right. But, like, um, yeah, but, like, 
beaming off of a galaxy class starship would have gone noticed by some. Yes, it should have. It should have. Should have. <laughs> Especially you know any like because that's that's a serious breach of some kind. I mean, he's a scientist. You know, he's kind of like you know underhanded scientist, so he could have done something, but it probably would have been nice to see. But. Yeah. yeah, he's he's also Elarian, so he's like three hundred years old. So he's got to be sneaky and yeah. smart and shit, mm. right? Yeah, he's also got cool hair, so he's got to be deceivious. Uh, he does, yeah, mis- yeah, mischievous, mischievous, yeah. yeah. Does have pretty Deceptive. cool hair. Yeah. I do like how they also included like um, when we're first introduced to him, he has like blood going down his face, mm-hmm. like from a scar, and he carries that scar. He like, does. In, that's like, that's cool of, continuity. I like. I that. like that. I like that. Yeah. So, unable to contact, uh, no, already got that. Um, so, uh, Data, uh, Soren has the phaser uh, tracked on Data, who is filled with fear because of his emotion chip and begs mm-hmm. him not to shoot him. Yeah. Hey, don't shoot, buddy. <laughs> I'm a real man. Yeah, he, yeah, he's overcome with, with uh, the emotions and can't move. These emotions <laughs> taking me over. Uh, in the captain's quarters, Picard sits with his family photo album. Counselor Troy enters, and he begins to tell her about his brother and nephew and his plans to get together with them on Earth in San Francisco the following month so he could show Renee Starfleet Oh, Renee. That's not Remy. No, it's not Remy. It's Renee. Uh, He's still a rat, though. Yeah, he's still still a a cartoon 3D rat. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't matter. His brother fucked a a big rat. (laughs) Yeah. Or 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 that'd be weird if like it was a ratatouille situation, but the ratatouille was making him fuck, and so, <laughs> and so because it's also making him come. So it was like a mix of human and rat sperm yeah, for some reason. And, and yeah, for some reason, yeah, like even the, because the rat made him come, like it's actually it it creates like a a rat human hybrid. Uh, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I wonder if that exists. Keep going. I'm almost finished. <laughs> I wonder if that exists in like the uh, Rule 34 Ratatouille um, mm. internet space. Section 34. Yeah, section 34. <laughs> uh, that would have been a good name for the podcast. All right. Yeah. I think soy track is yeah, soy, soy track is good yeah it's, it's fitting it's fitting uh, so as he affectionately describes his nephew uh, picard breaks down in tears and tells troy that both robert and renee have burnt to death in a fucking fire <laughs> which is nuts i know it's like we're in the future right why what what how <laughs> yeah what like how is like fire suppression not universal not universal like or and and it's like that's something that happens to starfleet officers in the middle of space yeah right and not like, not to guys who like work on wineries, wineries. yeah <laughs> yeah i was like what fire oh what, he, what he the- died in the great wine fire <laughs> yeah. the, the grape fire oh the great i don't know what happened we had uh, all the grapes in a grape silo and it fucking exploded especially with transporter technology it doesn't make when, any when, sense. When, when like, like, what when, fire do they burn in? Because like, you, you think that would be a great um, emergency thing to have in houses, like an emergency transporter yeah. um, thing like they, where it's like, oh, I need, oh my God, the house is on fire. Transport me out. Or transport or, the fucking pan out or whatever in the yeah. space. <laughs> you know, transport the fire, anything that's on fire, <laughs> anything that is like a certain thermal temperature or higher, transported away yeah. into space. Or maybe Renee was just being like a little shitty kid and was like making a potato gun or something and <laughs> launched it in the house and started to fire. Renee like intentionally like burned his dad to death <laughs> and himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They could have been like, yeah. I mean, they they, they knew all about uh school shootings and stuff. 
and stuff before they actually started. <laughs> Renee found out about climate change and yeah. decided to burn his boomer dad to death for, for <laughs> killing the earth. Cool. Um, could be a mail bomb, too. Could just be yeah, a Ted, yeah, mail bomb, Ted yeah. Kaczynski. Yeah, like, yeah, but a fire, fi- a fire on a winery. Yeah. Raises more questions. Than wine fire. Yeah, wine fire raises more questions. Than uh, so Troy uh, comforts Picard, and Picard tells her that when he was growing up, he was always told about the Picard family line and his famous ancestors. When Robert got married and had a son, he no longer felt a responsibility to carry on the family line. And as he also has, noticed, no mention of um, of the Picard from season two of Picard when he's talking about his famous ancestors. True, true. <laughs> you know the one that like fucking uh, um, brought peace to Earth. Yeah. During. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, but now, uh, Picard's family name won't go on, and once John Luke is gone, there will be no more Picards. The somber mood is interrupted when suddenly the Amargosa star flashes brightly out the viewport. Arriving on the bridge, Picard and Troy learn that the observatory has launched a trilithium probe in the sun. (laughs) The star has collapsed, all fusion reactions arrested, creating a level 12 shockwave that will destroy everything in the system. Nemesis style. Hells yeah. Uh, With the away team on the station, Picard orders Riker and Worf to retrieve Data and LaForge. On the observatory, Riker and Worf find Data in the Forge held hostage by Soren, who responds to the appearance of the Enterprise officers with phaser fire. And he's got this cool, weird, little stupid phaser. I like mm-hmm. Suddenly, a Route 2 LaForge opens, and Riker uh, asks Data if he can get to the engineer. But Data is clearly paralyzed by fear and tells him he cannot do it. <laughs> yeah, I do like the look that Riker gives him. Like, what? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like I can't. are you fucking, that's the only way we bring, the only reason we bring you on fucking away missions is because you're the robot man who doesn't <laughs> fear shit. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? He's just like, I can't even, Riker, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you, are you pissing your pants? No, that's oil. That's uh, leaking oil. Uh, <laughs> you don't have oil, Data. <laughs> Oil can. Uh, Oil can. It's a lube out of my asshole. Uh, uh, LaForge was fucking my butt. Uh, um, Gun oil can. The the shittiest lube. Gun oil rocks. Are you kidding me? It's it's the cheapest lube. It's the cheapest lube. It's the cheapest lube, but it's actually very good lube. Is it water-based? They have both water and silicone. The silicone is wonderful. Mm. If you are going raw... That shit lasts for years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, uh, it, it, it it will, like, fucking, I mean, turn a fucking butthole into a wind tunnel, my friend. <laughs> it's just like, you can just throw shit in. It's, it's fucking rad, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> the sound coming out of the butthole. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, like, if you lube up your butt with that, like, taking a poop the next day, it's... it's <laughs> It's like throwing a fat man down a slip and slide, it's, my it's, friend. It's, it's, it's like weird. eating Vaseline on toast. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's wild shit, brother. <laughs> Gun oil, no, official official uh, sponsor of Soy Trek. It's unofficial. Uh, it's uh, it's it's the, I mean, official sponsor of some of the butt sex I have. Oh, good. Yeah, not. I mean, I don't. I don't really use lube for vaginal sex anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly. I mean, I'm I was using a lubricated condom. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I've got a small ass dick. 
I don't need no loo for the small ass dick. <laughs> it, fits in, it fits in every nook and cranny. It's in every nook and cranny. Now. Yeah, I can hang pictures with it. It's, it's, got, it's just like a little hook, like a little fish hook, you know what I mean? Um, so, speaking of fish hook penises, uh, on the observatory, Riker and Worf find Data and LaForge held hostage by Soren. Uh, no, I already read that. Um, so, uh, entering coordinates into a computer, Soren disappears into the transporter beam with LaForge, who uh, at this point has lost his, um, his visor. visor. Yeah. Uh, and not like the, the poker visor. Um, mm-hmm. So, transporting aboard a Klingon bird of prey, decloaking near the observatory and warping away. And, like, the Klingon bird of prey fucking surprises everyone on the Enterprise. Mm. They're like, they'll, the whoa? <laughs> a, a Klingon <laughs> um, As the away team returns to the ship with Data, Picard orders the Enterprise to warp, uh, warp one, just as the shockwave obliterates the Amar- uh, Amargosa Observatory. On the bridge of the Klingon getaway ship, none other... And my beloved, the Dura sisters, mm. Lursa and Betor, are admonished by Soren for allowing the Romulans to attack the observatory. It emerges that the Trilithium was stolen from a Romulan outpost by the mm. sisters, <clears throat> reminding them that their plan to use Trilithium to reconquer the Klingon Empire are dependent on him. The Elarian demands they set uh, course at maximum warp for a planet in the Viridian system, and the sisters grudgingly comply. In the bowels of the ship, Soren holds LaForge captive. Marveling at the engineer's visor, Soren interrogates LaForge to learn all he knows about Trilithium. This is the Kunta Kente scene. Yes. Where he's, like, shirtless and has, like, shackles around his neck. It's very way too roots, and it's like... It, like Roots is so serious, yeah, that you shouldn't make allusions to it in no. Star Trek unless like you're actually making a real commentary on slavery. But this is so nothing, and it's not making any sort of commentary that it's no. super fucking insensitive. It also doesn't make sense why he would be torturing him in the first place. Like, why does he? He's an expert on trilithium. He yeah. already, it, unless he's trying to figure out what. Jordy fe- figured out and before he got there mm-hmm. like there, uh, there's no. well no i mean you're you're missing the forest for the trees here mm. why would somebody want to torture someone if they don't have a reason yeah i mean that's his kink buddy yeah this is just <laughs> this is just kink. he just he's he's just like he's he's into bdsm and race play yeah and he's doing his own kuna quinte scene and it's not fucking cool but you know I mean, I'm going to put it out there. Soren's a little rapey. I mean, there was a scene that was filmed of him torturing him. Like, I don't know that. Like, how, like, mm-hmm. um, he actually, like, uh, Soren supposedly put a nanoprobe inside of his heart that he could, oh, wow. he could stop his heart and then restart it. And oh, there was wow. there was a whole torture. That was the whole torture scene that was mm-hmm. filmed, like, which was pretty intense. Like, I guess, yeah. like, uh, yeah. So he was, like, stopping Jordy's heart. And mm-hmm. then Jordy was, like, you know, and then started up again. Like, to try to torture information out of Jordy. Wow. And that probably would have made clear about why he needs to torture him for in- trilithium information, maybe. I but, guess, but still, yeah, still, it's in, it seemed unnecessary to like it, like considering like this man. What we know of Soren so far is that you know, fire is a time in which we burn, like 
torturing a Starfleet officer when you're so close to reaching your goal just seems like a waste of time. Yeah. Unless <laughs> that's what gets you off. Unless that's what gets him off, yeah. And, then, and that's, that's the thing. That you, but he's going to a land where but, all of his uh, fantasies are but, true. But that's one of those, So you're still missing the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing that drives us more than anything in life is immediate sexual gratification. It's true. Uh, I S G. Let's call it that. That's why he wants to go to the Nexus. He wants to go to the Sexus. The sexus. <laughs> <laughs> the bu- he wants to go to the butt Sexus with He's Jordan. Like, he got into the he got into the Sexus and just like I'm back, everybody. And there's like this huge like tie that time ribbon around my cock. <laughs> there's like huge orgy happening in a in a in a, in a 16th century dungeon. <laughs> this is, this is the Borgy. <laughs> the Borgy, yeah. Uh, Which also like also I have problems with like the fact like so. Like at this point, like the Elwer, it's implied the Elwerians like planet was already destroyed by the Borg. Yeah, no, it's not implied. He they actually say. Yeah, it. yeah, they say it. Mm. And so, does that mean like there was like contact with the Borg that they knew about that the Federation could have had information about? Considering they have, they've they've that their contact with the Elwerians is now established to be back in well, um and and TOS era. Yeah, so I mean, it is it's established. Like uh, when they first encounter the Borg, that Guinan did know about the Borg and that yeah. they destroyed her planet and the, all mm-hmm. the Alarians. So, I mean, they do discuss it in as early as Q Who when the Borg are introduced, which yeah. is season uh, two of. But like, so, so, uh, so when the Alarians were picked up by mm-hmm. the Enterprise B, they did not mention the Borg at all. I mean, that's a good point. That's a very good point. They really should have. Yeah. I mean, but these, yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't immediate concern to these people because especially came out like of the sexist where they were just getting all their holes, like right. just like blasted out. And, and right. And yeah. I mean, you know, after like a heavy, heavy come, you just like fucking forget everything. Yeah. Right? They're just like, oh, I want to go back to the sex, the sex dimension. Yeah. And like now, one time I came so hard <laughs> that I didn't pay my car insurance for four months. <laughs> <laughs> That's the excuse you went with. <laughs> Geico, uh, sorry, the, Geico. The, I would have sent you money, but I was just, I just came super hard. The Geico agent uh, told me to go to Progressive, so I, I don't know what that meant. No, no, I think uh, they said go to therapy. Uh, <laughs> They're just like that makes a lot, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, oh! Not all state, a state prison. Okay, okay. Yeah, huh. Like you need to go to Interest- a state prison. Interesting. Oh, okay. Now okay, it makes sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, not State Farm. Oh, the Funny Farm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, got right. you, got you, got you. So back on the Enterprise, Dr. Crusher has done some research into Soren's background, telling Commander Riker that he was one of the survivors rescued by the Enterprise Bs 80 years ago after the Borg destroyed their world, and that Guinan was also listed on the Passenger Manifest. To learn more about the scientist, Captain Picard visits Guinan in her quarters. There, she describes the energy ribbon as the Nexus. A blissful realm where time has no meaning, and a place Soren must be desperately trying to get back to. Also, what? So, what year did the Elorians then? Because like Guinan was established to be on Earth, all the way up to twenty twenty four. Correct. Like, at what point does she enter the Nexus, and how long was she in the Nexus? That's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, they, they bring her out of the Nexus in what uh, twenty two ninety something. But yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Because I mean, she's on Earth in 
like 1880. Yeah, 1880. She's on Earth in 2024. Mm-hmm. She's apparently on the Elarian planet 150, 200 years after that for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then she's... Then, and then 80, 90 years, 80, 90 years after that, she's running a bar. Yeah. Uh, I want to know Guinan's timeline. Here. Honestly, honestly, like a Guinan standalone show could be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'd probably give it to some fucking doofus that they fumbled the goddamn bag. Yeah. Like Picard season two. Yeah. Um, was, although, honestly, if they just did like an Andor type thing and did like Guinan running a bar, that yeah. could be awesome. Yeah, not it could be to, awesome. Not updating serious lines, just her just dealing with different bar problems. So I mean, no. So I mean, they could do something like honestly, like a heist, a yeah. heist thing that like starts and ends in a bar would be awesome. Yeah, we love that. And she has a Ferengi like buddy. Yes, <laughs> uh, a Ferengi baddie. Oh, 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 oh. Um, I mean, depending on when they, if they did it post TNG, like it could be Pell. Mm. That'd be so sick. Oh yeah, because we know Pell went off to probably the Gamma Quadrant, but like mm-hmm. Pell's Pell's fucking rad. Yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah, it gave gave Quark gay feelings. Pell, I mean Quark. <laughs> yeah, for fir- the first his, time, his first gay, the feelings. very first, first uh, sure, feelings. yeah, right. <laughs> we all know he sucked Odo's whatever he made oh, it yeah. before that. Whatever he has, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever he wants. <laughs> He's just like, huh, new feelings brewing inside Quark. Oh, Odo, can you can you can you turn it into a bar of gold pressed latinum? That's the only way I'll be a comfortable. Gold, gold, gold pressed latinum with a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turn yourself into a bi- giant bar, so I'll just lick you. Ugh. Um, so the experience left such an impact on Guinan that she suspects it has turned Soren into a dangerous threat to the universe, mm. as he is trying to get back to the Nexus. This raises the question, why destroy the star? Picard leaves after thanking Guinan for her help, but she warns him that if he goes into the Nexus, he will not care about anything. Mm-hmm. Not the ship, not Soren, nothing. <laughs> All he'll want is to stay in the Nexus, mm-hmm. and he will not want to come back, because the Nexus is the sexus, and you can't stop coming. <laughs> And that's where we're uh, gonna leave generations for now. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mister Pat, if we want to find you online and say hello, 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 where can we do that? I'm at Potomac Bomb on Instagram and Twitter. Cool. How about you? I'm Soy Trek everywhere. Hell's yeah. Hell yeah. So hit us up. Ask for dick pics. Ask for pull pics. Nah, I don't know. I'm I'm not. I don't love the hole pics. Although I've got a nice hole. Nice hairless hole. I take very good care of my hairless hole. Very good care of my hairless hole. I really prefer dick pics. I find, I mean, any, everyone can anyone can have a nice butthole if they pay attention to it. That's true. Not everyone can have a nice dick, you know? And so I'm like, you know, just share it with the world. Share it with the world. Share, share it with the world. Yeah, let, let, everyone, let everyone have a little, little peek. Little, little peek is right, because as I said earlier, it's very small. <laughs> it's dim- uh, I've I've heard it called diminutive before. Diminutive. I don't even know what that word means, but I'm sure it describes my penis very well. So, uh, with that, I have been Britain. And oh, also, I just want yeah. it says Soren was born in 2071, so he's younger than Gaiman. 2071. Yeah. 
much younger than Guinan. Yeah. By a couple hundred years almost. Yeah, well, yeah, they do establish that he's 300 years old. They do say that. So And so he's So he was born kind of around, you know. And Guinan nah. was around in the 1800s an adult. Yeah. Man, so Guinan's like old as fuck, but, Yeah, that's right. You know. Oh. Anyway, what were we saying? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. Um uh, I I've been Britain. And I'm Pat. Uh do we do we have a script for the end of this? Yeah, we do. Shit. Oh, that's right. I forgot we do have a script. Uh, let's let's find. Um, here's a script. Um, Captain's log, supplemental. Well, that's all, folks. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and trek on. Yeah, thanks for trekking with us, soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang dong and shocker. Soy, 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 so